You're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. Welcome back. Well, after our popular Canadian trucking show last week, we've decided to keep our sights on North America, and this week it's our USA trucking special. Mike has a great chat with longtime Ohio-based trucker Wes Imes about his experiences on the road in the United States. Later in the show, we've got our regular on-the-road news along with the top 10 issues faced by American truckers in our Something to Talk About segment. Plus, there's a couple of great American-themed songs from Toby Keith and Waylon Jennings. There's stars and stripes all over this week's show, folks. So, in the words of Larry the Cable Guy, let's get her done. I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. You know, there's no doubt about it, there's no country on earth that does patriotism better than the USA. Here's Toby Keith with Made in America. That old man spent his life living off the land. Dirty hands and a clean soul. It breaks his heart seeing foreign cars filled with fuel. It isn't ours. And wearing cotton, we didn't grow. He's got the red, white,
talking to this fella in the US on Twitter and on Facebook for quite some number of years and I thought why don't we get someone from somewhere else who suffers the same problems and indignities that we suffer just so that we can show we're not alone. This bloke's name's Wes Imes. He's from Cincinnati, Ohio. He's a long time professional driver over there and I'd like to welcome to the show. How are you mate? Hi Mike, thanks for having me. Could you just tell the listeners what you do, where you run, we'll get all those basic details out of the road, and then we'll just sort of dig in a little bit deeper after that and just see how the Department of Transport treat you guys over there. I've been a truck driver for 28 years, well, and next month will be 28 full years. Yep. I've driven just about everything, started out with dry vans, did some reefer work with local deliveries to restaurants, flatbed tanker currently pulling a flatbed mostly lumber and steel and live in cincinnati ohio and we run about as far west as kansas city missouri occasional runs down to texas and florida and tennessee and upstate new york and sometimes in towards new england pennsylvania new jersey east coast area so you do a few miles every week then uh, 2,896 between 8 a.m. Monday and noon today. Wow. Which is Saturday here. 2,800 miles. That's a lot. I'm going to have to convert all these numbers to kilometers because we work in kilometers and kilos and metric tons here. Around about 4,000. About 4,000 k's? Yeah. Well, it'd be that. It's 1.65 kilometers, I think, to the mile. Yeah, I think that's it. You guys do it a little bit more quickly than we do. We're speed limited 100 here. Yeah, speed limit's 70 miles an hour, which I think works out to about 120 maybe. Yeah, it's 121 actually. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> we would be crucified for that one, mate. If I did 121 and the highway patrol got me, I'd be sitting in the back of the car. That's how that'd end up, I reckon. Well, there's parts of this country where if you do that, you'll get run over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 80,000 pounds, that's what you guys are allowed to gross, isn't it? Yes, and my empty weight is 32,600, basically carrying 48,000 pounds of cargo. All right, so we've got to try and work that out for the viewers. So really, 80,000 pounds, that's only 36,000 Oh, sorry, 36.2 tons, 36.3 tons. 
what are you allowed on your steer actually, Wes? It varies by state, and it's kind of weird. Some states will give a certain weight. Some states, it's a weight per inch of tread width. But roundabout, usually either 12,500 pounds or 20,000 pounds. There are a couple states that treat it as if it was a single axle under a trailer, which is a 20,000-pound rating. Right. But usually 12,000 pounds is what it is, is it? Yeah. I don't think I'd want to have much more than that on the steers. Yeah, so that's 5.4 ton. So I'm allowed 6.5 on the steer, 6.5 tons. So that's a little bit more than you guys. You've seen the pictures of my truck, that 909 Kenworth that I drive, surely? Yeah. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, so that's only got a 50-inch integrated sleeper on. It's a hell of a lot shorter than the prime movers you guys run, but full of fuel, four tanks of fuel. On my weight on my trailer, I go 648, 65 on the steer quite regularly, which is a bit more than you guys. What's your drive weight, mate? 34,000. On tandems, 34. whether it's the drives or a trailer that's got tandem axles. Right, so you're 34,000 front and back. No, I pull a spread axle trailer. Yeah. 10 feet, 2 inches between the two trailer axles. Yeah. So I'm allowed 20,000 pounds on each one of those. Oh, right. So you get 40,000 pounds on your back. So you've got 34,000 pounds or 15 and a half ton in our money on your drive and 40,000 at the back. Is that right? That's what I'm allowed, yeah. Yeah. But it never works out that way. Oh, of course it doesn't. So that's 18.14. Gee, you'd have a kitten. I'm allowed to be 21 ton on the back tri. My trailer's got a triaxle, like a short spread tri, and I'm allowed 21 ton on that in our money. So that's 46,300 pounds for the want of a better description on my back axle. It's a lot of difference when your trailers and everything are lighter than ours. So what did you say you teared? 32,640 with full fuel tanks, and I carry 240 gallons of fuel. So you'll tear at 14.5 tons. What what prime over are you running now? It's a Volvo VN series with the hood. Is it a Volvo VNL? Yeah. And how big is the bunk on it? I'd say it's probably about 52 or 54 inches. Yeah. The mattress is a little bit skinnier than what we have as a standard twin bed, mm. but I've got a shelf and some storage space between the edge of the mattress and the back of the driver's seat, about 18 inches wide. Yeah, so it's one of the medium-sized cab ones then. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even get Volvo VNs in Australia anymore. They don't import them anymore. Mac and Volvo uh, joined at the hip in Australia, and the bonded truck market belongs to Mac, so we're getting Mac anthems, but not big ones like you see over there. And the Volvo cab over, we get 540 and you know 700XXL cabs, but they're only as big as your basic cab over K200 Kenworth. I don't suppose you even see many cab overs over there anymore, do you? Not too many, no. Yeah. There's a few of them in specialized locations that just they have to have them for the turning radius. Yeah. So your trailer would be, what, a 53-footer? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk to you about because... Obviously, you're a long-distance driver. You're in and out of places all the time, or what you call an over-the-road driver. We call them a long-distance driver here, an interstater. And you're in and out of places all the time. You're driving a fairly long prime mover by our standards, and your trailer is eight feet longer than ours. 45 feet is a standard trailer length over here. We get 48-footers, and some of the grocery fellas have 53-footers, but they're only allowed to go certain places. They're what they call performance-based vehicles. They're allowed to do some things with permits. But you're a general access vehicle, 
and you can go all over the place. How do you find getting around, like with the turning and in and out of fuel stations and into places where you go? Do you have any difficulty at all? The truck stops are pretty much built for it, so there's not a problem there. Mm. Some older manufacturing facilities that were once on the outside of town, the town grew around them. Mm. It's sometimes a little bit problematic getting in and out of those. You find yourself on a residential street yeah. questioning whether or not you should really be there, <laughs> trimming a few tree limbs, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, though, I don't have a lot of problem. You know, when you're hauling in and out of steel mills, there's no problem there unless the steel mill happened to have had the town grow around it. Yeah. Those places, there's one I logged 14 miles from the time I scaled in. Went back to the coil warehouse, picked up my coil, and came back to the outbound truck scale. Wow. All of that within the facility, and I didn't even come close to covering the whole area. Wow, that's incredible. That's huge. The other thing that, obviously, you know, we see pictures and all the rest of it, mate, how bad are Swift really? Are they terrible, or is it just we just see pictures of every crash? (laughs) (laughs) Well... Yeah, part of it's the internet. Everybody's a news reporter with their cell phone now. (laughs) They got the reputation, and and some of the other companies got the reputation because they produce three-week wonders. Oh, yeah, yep. They hire guys that are only vaguely aware of which end of the truck goes down the road first. Yeah. Uh, Three weeks later, they kick the birdie out of the nest and hope it flies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we see some bloody horrible photos over here, mate. There was one I saw the other day. This bloke's got this freight liner parked in a swamp, bogged to the doors. It was just ridiculous. It must cost him a fortune. We had one of our trucks recently involved in an accident, my company, and the tow bill just to get the truck clear of the accident scene, mm-hmm. two miles up the road to the next exit and parked safely, mm-hmm. was $10,000. Holy dooly. That hurts. That would hurt a lot. Yeah. Boss is smarting from that one. Oh, I bet he is. The driver's tell his story walking, did he, or what? No, no, he's in a rental right now till they get things sorted and figure out what truck to put him in next. Yeah, right. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. How big is the company you work for? Very small. All right. I am one of five employees. All right. That's what, just a small family business then? The boss himself drives four days a week usually. His father had a small trucking company a little bit larger than we are now. Mm. And I heard the story from one of our drivers who's since retired that he was at the yard one day and my boss pulled up in a used truck. Mm. 
and hopped out of it and said, Dad, I'm starting my own company. Yeah, right. And we do some of their overflow stuff. Honda is one of his customers, and he hauls the dyes for the stamping plants out of their tool and dye engineering shop. Mm. And sometimes one of those moves for a model change is more trucks than he has available, and so we'll get to haul a couple of them. And it's often a permit overweight load. Mm. So I'll be hauling maximum gross of uh, 100,000 pounds with a 52 to 55,000 pound die on the deck. Wow. It's very interesting work, flatbed work. We call them flat tops here, but same deal. I started out doing that. It's amazing what you can put on. You can put anything on them. Well, in my case, not exactly. Our trucks have got the Conestoga tops, which is canvas all the way over the sides, and it opens up. You push all the canvas forwards, and it folds like an accordion, and you load with a crane. Yeah. So it has to fit inside. It has to be 100 inches wide or less and about 98 inches tall or less. Yeah. We call those prairie wagons over here. A lot of the guys that cart the steel use those. They roll them forward and backwards, and they crane on the coil or bar or whatever it is and chain it all down and cover it over. Like for the loads that have to be covered, that's what they use them for pretty much as a rule. He got those because potential customer requested them. Yep. And he said he's not regretted it because, you know, obviously we're able to load and unload a whole lot quicker than the guys that have to roll up tarps and do it the hard way. Yeah, that's right. It can take a bit out of us, old fella, throwing a tarp, can't it? <laughs> I don't speak for myself, I suppose. But anyway. So the Department of Transport, mate, the DOT. You have a different system over there to what we have. I've seen recently pictures of at the American trucks. You have the dot number painted on the door. Is that the number for an individual truck or is that the number for the company that has the truck? Your company's registered or what's the story with that? Yeah, you see the side of a truck and you'll see a DOT or USDOT and a six-digit number. That belongs to the company. That's the company's registration with the Department of Transportation. Okay, so what does that do for you, that number? When they pull you up and intercept you, run you over a weigh bridge or do a random check on you, they just key that number in, do they? Or Yeah, they can key that number in and it will give them a rundown, you know, if there's any flags on your company's record, you know, that you've had a lot of trucks recently fail inspections and it gets you a little bit greater scrutiny if your record's not that good, if your company's record. Yeah, so that, that number sort of applies in every state, does it? It's a federal number, but then some states also have registration requirements. Yeah. Ohio used to be one, so underneath an Ohio-based truck under the DOT number, you would see PUCO, and then a number stands for Public Utilities Commission of Ohio. Mm. Kentucky still has a separate registration that you have to have a number if you're a Kentucky-based carrier, and so under USDOT, there'll be a number that starts out KYU. Mm. Where you live, though, in Ohio, if you get a load to Kentucky, say, do you have to have the truck registered in there or are you just not allowed to cart out of there when you're finished? I've got a system in North America called the Interstate Registration Plan. Yeah. You pay your registration to your home state mm. and you list which other states you plan on running in. Yeah. So it's like between 10 and $25, I think. It varies a little bit by state for all the different states you wish to be registered in. Ah, right. I say instead of having a whole swag of number plates across the bumper bar, do you get little labels or what do you get? Yeah, it's just one. Your truck registration, mm. it's on an eight and a half by 11 inch sheet of just plain paper. Mm. 
and it's got all your information. And then the bottom half of it lists all the states that you paid to be registered and to run. Yep. Just before I started, they had a system where you had to do each state individually, and some of the trucks would have something right next to the main license plate where they would put a sticker on for every state that they had registered in. Mm. Or you had a card, uh, another eight and a half by 11, but it was a heavier paper. Mm. And you put those stickers on there for each state. They sometimes called it a bingo card. Yeah. Because you had all those little stickers on there side by side, like you were checking off numbers in a bingo game. Yeah. So you're driving down the highway minding your own business. We've all watched Smokey and the Bandit, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just watched it a couple of weeks ago. And we've all watched Convoy, right? If you can't sing Convoy, mate, you're not a real truck driver over here. <laughs> so, you know, Chris Christopherson tooling down the road in that bloody old black Mac and all that sort of crap, you know. So it's not like that, is it? No. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had a CB hooked up in my truck for about two and a half or three years. Right. So what, you just don't talk to anyone? I'm a licensed amateur radio operator, so I've got a ham radio for the two meter and 70 centimeter band in the truck. Mm. I talk on that if I talk on anything. Mostly I yell at the radio. <laughs> Listening to the news channels on satellite radio. So that's something else that we don't get. I mean, you've got your, what's it, Sirius XM and all that sort of stuff that you can just listen to all over the place, don't you? Yeah. We don't have that sort of stuff. If we want to listen to the radio, we use iHeart Radio, which is a digital thing, runs through your phone, you know, through your internet service. We sort of cope with it that way. I think if Sirius were to start over here, they'd probably do all right. I think just about every truck driver would get one, you know. That's how it started here. Mm. Well, I've got my own thoughts on that. They're not as trucking oriented anymore. They've got a channel for every fringe group there is. <laughs> yep, yep. And some of them are more fringe than others too, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, dear, I promised myself I wasn't going to ask any political questions, so I won't do that. But are you enjoying the Democrats, are you? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I eat that shit with a spoon. <laughs> Mike, you know what I used to post on Twitter. Oh, yeah, mate, I know. And you know why I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm part of the Great Red Purge. And I'm surprised I'm still there, to be frank with you. They just don't understand you. <laughs> they probably don't. They, they don't understand probably. Australian humor. It's like a lot of the cable companies, C-SPAN, which is the government most of the time they show Congress in meetings, mm. but on Sunday night, they show prime minister's questions from the UK. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever watched that, but I checked with a friend from Britain mm. and the more polite they are when they mention someone else, mm. the more they hate them. That's right. What my right honorable gentleman friend, the good, <laughs> the more they pile on nice things at the beginning, it's just twisting the dagger. Yeah, that's right. That's why Twitter has left you alone. <laughs> you and that fella up in the Northern Territory. Old mate Booter NT. <laughs> I miss him. Sure you, sure you do. I should post some of his pictures on Facebook so that friends of mine who used to follow him can see. Yeah. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. 
Seeing Machines Guardian minimizes the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com Now, electronic logbooks. I've been writing about electronic logbooks and talking about electronic logbooks for about two years. And we are at the point now where we have a couple of different companies who have got their electronic logbooks approved for use to be trialled. You've been running them in the States now for several years. I've read some articles printed in Overdrive about how things have gone there. You are running one, I know, because I've seen pictures of it. How do you find it? Has it made a difference to you in the way you work? More than that, it, it has to make a difference in the way you think. Yeah. How you cope with it is really going to depend largely on your carrier's attitude towards it. Yeah. Hours of service rules require a 10-hour break overnight or over day, depending on when you're driving, but 10 hours. And we're allowed to log 11 hours of driving, yeah. but we have to get all driving done within 14 hours from when we first go on duty, yep. which is not really hard if you spend an hour and a half loading, an hour and a half getting unloaded, fuel. We're required to take a 30-minute break before we've accumulated eight hours of driving. Right. And that's where you got to think. If your rules are similar, I would tell somebody, get a post-it note or get the label maker and make you a little note to put on the dash that says, log off duty. Yeah. Say I've been driving two and a half hours, three hours. I pull into a truck stop. I get a parking space, log off duty. Mm. I go to the restroom. Uh, maybe I stand in line to get a hamburger wrapped in paper. And I get out to my truck and I see that I've been off duty for 18 minutes. Yeah. That's when the light bulb's got to come on that you say, well, I stay another 12 minutes off duty. Yeah. And I fulfilled that 30-minute requirement. And now I'm back to eight hours that I can drive before I'm forced to take a break. Yeah. If I've got eight hours left out of my 11. Yep. The other thing is I find myself taking a break earlier than I want to. Yeah. A classic example, I'm coming north out of Florida. I've got four hours left on my 11 or my 14, whichever. And I'm about an hour outside of Atlanta and it is 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. If you don't know about it, Atlanta rush hour is a beast. Yeah, well, look, it's probably like Sydney, mate. We get car parks on the motorways, and you can just about set your watch by them. And while the distance driving around the bypass, which trucks are required to take, up to the truck stops north of Atlanta is only about two hours worth of driving if you were the only vehicle on the road. Yep. You've got to shut down when you've got three and a half hours left on the south side of Atlanta because you know it'll take you four hours to get to that next truck stop, and you don't have four hours. Yeah. So what do you do? You just find yourself a rest area or... Yeah, rest area or truck stop. And if it's 3.30 in the afternoon, they're usually pretty easy to find parking spaces. My boss told us when we got them, and this is where I said it's going to depend on the attitude that your carrier takes. Because of the 10 hours off and 14 you can work, that's 24. Pick a schedule you want to run. I like to start about 6 o'clock in the morning. I run till 8 o'clock at night. It's not too late. In the summertime, it's still daylight. 
in the wintertime, it hasn't been dark too long and it gets daylight pretty soon after I start. I know people who start their day at 3 a.m. because they know that at four o'clock in the afternoon when they've got their 13 hours in and probably right at 11 hours or 10 and a half hours of actual driving, it's not going to be hard to find a parking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like it would be at nine o'clock at night if they started later. And that's the sort of thing you have to do. That's the kind of thinking. It's no longer, well, you know, I can make it. It's no longer, I can run 60 miles an hour on average with hills and that, and that's a mile a minute. Yep. And the place I want to get to 70 miles away, but I've only got an hour left. It's not like you can fudge it on a paper logbook anymore because the ballpoint pen says whatever you want it to say. Yeah. The computer tells the absolute truth. Yeah. So you've got to stop before you can get to that, even though you would have almost made it and it would have been easy to fudge five more minutes of driving. That's the biggest difference. Shippers and receivers, they still don't care. It's not their problem. Mm. If the freight lands on your trailer, they don't really care how long it took them. They don't care that you've got seven hours left for today. It's a nine hour drive and it's supposed to be there in 14 hours. They just don't care. Yeah. They didn't care before. They still don't care. It's your problem. How do they respond, though? Because obviously, you know, you're using that electronic logbook, and we both know that all the sins are there for the Department of Transport, whoever they are, to see as soon as they have a look at it. I don't have any more sins. Yeah, well, that's right. When the thing beeps at me and tells me I've got an hour of driving left, I start looking. Yeah. Sometimes I start looking before because I know the situation I'm going to be in when that hour expires. Yeah. So we've got drivers over here are saying, well, you know, if I've got to start doing that, then we're going to end up pulling up in places where we probably really shouldn't. That happens. That happens. Where you shouldn't, where you wouldn't, where you don't want to. It's the end of the week. You've pretty much eaten all the food you brought with you in the cooler and you can't make it to a truck stop and you've got to stop at a, a roadside rest with a little fiberglass hut for a facility and nothing in the way of food. Yeah. And that's the situation you find yourself in unless you stop an hour earlier where there is food and then you're short of where you need to be to make it where you got to get tomorrow. I came from an environment as a young bloke where we, and I can't say this out loud because the transport department here will be after, no, they won't, it's a bit late now. There are plenty of drivers around that used to run more than one logbook, you know. And as you say, the ballpoint pen says, this is where you are, this is where you want to be. So we used to make it suit the job and make our time suit the job. Now this is no longer the case. It's going to cost guys money. It costs you money. Your weekly pay's gone down or what? My boss recognized the challenges that we were going to be facing, and we're all on a guaranteed pay. Oh, righto. So if we get lots of miles, he'll pay us by the mile. Yeah. If it happens that we don't, we get paid a guaranteed amount. Yeah. And I have a good boss, and it is a healthy guarantee. Yeah, well, that's the way it should be. Which is, you know, why I'm happy to come back my first full week after knee replacement surgery, like I told you, and I ran almost 2,900 miles, and I'm grateful for it. I worked three days last week. He paid me the full guarantee. I'd have been happy for half of that. But instead, my first check back was a big one. It's hard to be mad at a guy like that. It is hard to be mad at a guy like that. When I had my heart attack several years ago, the guy I worked for looked after me and got me back to work in the office as soon as I was able to go back to work and helped me get through all the hoops I had to get through to get my license back. I owe him a lot. Back to the ballpoint pen. 
I'm not saying I did or I didn't, but mm. I'm very well acquainted with people who would spend a couple hours on Saturday at the end of the week redrawing seven loose leaf pages a logbook in order to get <laughs> 4,200 miles to fit into 70 hours worth of on-duty time. Yeah. Who said you can't change history? <laughs> <laughs> I'm told it can be challenging, especially if fuel stops have to be logged within a reasonable window of when the transaction was completed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look, mate, it's been great to have you on the show. I do appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your insight and telling us about what it's like over there. I've only got one other question for you, and it was sent to me by a friend of mine that told me that I had to ask you, <laughs> do you walk around with a six-shooter on your hip, mate, with, to go with that hat or what? No, no, no. I'm more of a 1911 guy. <laughs> Do many guys carry firearms in the truck? I've never asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know some who do. I know some who don't admit they do. Yeah, yeah. I've sort of always maintained the belief that it'd be better to be judged by 12 of your peers than be carried by six of them. Absolutely. But anyway. But I'm a big guy, Mike. I'm over six feet and pressing in on a couple hundred pounds. Well, over a couple hundred. Yeah. So I find that those large frame automatics are quite comforting. <laughs> I like the half inch diameter inbound hole that a 1911 leaves. Yeah, well, look, the 1911 is a classic piece of hardware, mate. That's that's all we can say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's been great to talk to you. I do appreciate it. Don't be a stranger, and uh, we'll have to do it again. Oh, I'd love to, Mike. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Okay, thanks, Wes. Take care of yourself, mate. Bye. Hi, guys. My name's Dan. I listen to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. It's time for That's What You Think. Some say they're too opinionated for their own good. Some say they're just a pair of grumpy old men. We just know them as Mike and Andy. Wake me when the show starts. It's already been on a while. Wake me when it's over. Hey, Mike. Hey. As you well know, this is our American trucking special. So I thought, out of interest's sake, I'd have a look and see just how well you know trucking in America. <laughs> how does that sound? Oh, I don't know about as much about trucking in America as I know about trucking in Australia, mate. Bugger all. <laughs> well, we'll soon find out. We've got 12 easy questions for you. Yeah. And just so it's nice and professional, oh, yeah. if you get the answer right, you'll hear this sound. I feel good! <laughs> and if you get them wrong, you'll hear this sound. <laughs> All right, good to go? Good to go. Question one. On average, the value of freight moved across the US daily is A, $22 billion, B, $53 billion, or C, $185 billion? $185 billion. So $22, $53, or $185? $185, mate. Lock in C, Eddie. Lock in C? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is actually B, Mike. It's $53 billion. All right, there, there you go. All right, that's your warm-up done. Question two. Right According to the American Trucking Association, what percentage of the country's freight by weight is moved by trucks? Is it A, 68%, B, 73%, or C, 81%? I'd say B. Lock in B, Eddie. B, 73? Yeah. 
Spot on. Well done. That was just a wild guess too. You're rolling in the right direction now. Mm. Question three. To the nearest million, how many people in the US transport industry are truck drivers? Is it A, 3.6 million, B, 4.8 million, or C, 5.7 million? Well, there's 350 million people in America, so I, I'm thinking it's got to be the biggest number, mate. Lock in C. C? Lock in C. 5.7. 5.7. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. 3.6 million, Mike. 3.6. Yeah. Well, I was closer than the bottom answer. Yeah, absolutely. You've done all Bs now. Am I starting to recognise a pattern? <laughs> I hope not. Question four. What is the average age of truck drivers currently working in the American transport industry? Is it A, 37, B, 47, or C, 57? It's got to be 47, I'd say. We're around the 50 mark, so I think America would be the same. About 47. 47. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually 57. Unbelievable. Keep going. Question five. In the USA, what is the number one equipment violation found during roadside inspections? Is it A, lighting, B, tyres, or C, fluid leaks? It'd probably be fluid leaks. <laughs> they run a lot of Detroits and they leak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Same with Chrysler will be after me now. No, I love your thinking, but... <laughs> Believe it or not, it's actually lighting. Is it? Yeah. Well, they do like the, what they call them chicken lights. They do like the chicken lights. All right, question six. What is the number one driver violation reported? Is it A, inadequate documentation, B, speeding, or C, drink driving? I would expect it would be inadequate documentation. Yeah, that's what I thought it would be too. Oh, good God, really? It is actually speeding. Speeding. Mm. Okay. All right, question seven. Now, I've thrown this one in just to keep it interesting. What is Joe Biden's middle name? I know the answer to this without you even giving me the options. Okay. It's Robinette. I feel good. Well done. You know how I know that? No. Because I've had my brother telling me how good he is. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll tell you what. Family arguments, mate. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Anyway, move on. Yeah, well. That's one, and it's not even about trucks. I'm disappointed now, mate. No, all good. Well, I'll be praying for your brother, okay? We all should. Yeah. All right, question eight. I'm sure you'll know this one. What do American truckers call a refrigerated truck or trailer? A reefer. I feel good. A reefer. Spot on. Any relation to Aretha Franklin? <laughs> All right. Now, a bit of a trick question here for you. Question nine. What is the most popular brand of truck in America? The most popular brand of truck in America? Well, I'm not going to get options. Do I have to just guess? Yeah. That's tough because we all see Peterbilt's and we all see Kenworth, and, but Volvo, I think, are pretty popular as well. So I'd say it's got to be one of those three. And... I'm leaning towards the Pete, actually. Leaning towards the Pete. Lock in the Peterbilt. The Peterbilt. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Dear, oh, dear. Now, this is where it became a trick question because the most popular brand of truck in America is the Ford F-Series pickup. Oh, for God's sake, that's not a truck. Because that's what they call trucks. That's not a Class A truck. 
So what you're thinking is what they call semis. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to register an objection now. <laughs> Where's your boss? I want to see. I'm going to put on my Karen face. I want to see the boss. Well, you can't talk to her. She's gone to work. Okay. All right, mate. Well, that was the trick question, as I said, because that's what the Americans call trucks. But yeah. the actual most popular semi trucks in America, just for your own reference, yeah. is one Freightliner. Okay. Two Kenworth. Righto. Three Peterbilt. Yep. Four International. Righto. And five Volvo. Okay. So there you go. You live and learn, hey? Well, you do, mate. I mean, we're the same, only different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brothers from a different mother. That's right, indeed. Question 10. What is the highest mileage recorded on an American semi-prime mover that is still running? Is it A, 2 million miles, B, 4 million miles, or C, 8 million miles? This is not a trick question. We're not talking about Ford pickups now, are we? No, we're not. No. Right, no. I'd say 8 million, mate. You'd be spot on, mate. Yeah, because they just go forever. Yeah, eight million. It's a 1962 Kenworth. Of course. And she's in beautiful nick, and she's still running after eight million miles. Of course, yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, it might not be the original motor though. It might be all its originals, the cab and the chassis rails, mate. Oh, I'd say everything <laughs> underneath might have been tinkered with a little bit. Yeah. I expect you're right, but yeah, eight million still a hell of a milestone, isn't it? Yep. So well done. Yeah. All right. Question eleven: What is the blood alcohol limit for American commercial truck drivers? Is it A. point oh two percent, B. point oh four percent, or C. point oh eight percent? Well, point oh two is us zero or point oh two. Point oh eight used to be us. Mm-hmm. Never heard of anyone anywhere in the world that's point oh four. I think the Americans are a little bit more liberal about drinking and trucks and that actual laws and things. Lock in 0.08, Andy. 0.08. Dear, oh dear. It is, in fact, 0.04%, Mike. Well, I just logic that out and everything. Yeah, I know. Well, let me add to your logic. All right. For regular drivers over there, it's 0.08%. For commercial truck drivers, it's halved. So it's 0.04%. Righto. There you go. All right, mate. Final question, question 12, and this is uh, multiple part, but there's no uh, multiple answers. So, Okay, all right. In American trucking slang, what is an alligator? An alligator. Mm. Is it a uh, airline connection? It's actually a blown tyre on the road. Oh, righto. Yep, okay. Makes okay. sense when you think about it, doesn't it? It does, it does, it does. That little ripples and all that looks like a bit of alligator skin, yep. All right. In American trucking slang, what is a bulldog? A Mac. Well, that would seem the logical answer, but it's not. Okay. Give up? I do, absolutely. If you tell someone they've got a bulldog, that means they've got a headlight out. Oh, for God's sake. Seriously? Yeah. I I don't make this stuff up, mate. I just report on it. I reckon you have. I reckon you've made all this (laughs) shit up just to make me look silly. Not at all. All right. In American trucking slang, what is a skateboard? A skateboard. Hmm. A skateboard. Yep. Hell's bells, skateboarder, but it's probably a little car or something. Nope. No. Four wheel. Oh, skateboard. Jeez, I don't know, mate. Put you out of your misery, it's a flatbed truck. A flatbed truck. Yeah, which makes sense when you think about it. If you've got big feet, maybe. Kind of looks like a skateboard when it's not loaded. Okay. <laughs> All right. In American trucking slang, what is a chicken coop? That is a Weybridge. Exactly right. Base station, as they call it. And if you know the convoy song, the chicken coops were full of bears. That's it. Tibbles out. Yep, yep. All right. And very last question of all. In American trucking slang, what is an anteater? It's a Kenworth T600. Oh, spot on. Because they're the same in Australia. Well done.
T600 Kenworth Eater. Do you stay in one of those? I believe you do. Yes, you've mentioned that before. It was my favourite truck, mate. It did three million. Yeah. On a Detroit, leaked everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a theme running now. Uh, All right, mate. Well, there you go. Out of 12 questions, you scored a four and a half. Right, a four and a half out of 12. Which surprised me because I, I thought you'd do better than that. Yeah, well. But anyway, you did a lot better than I would have if it had been asked of me. It's easy for me to sit here all smug when I'm the one that knows the answers. It's on a par with me in primary school with my academic record when I was in primary school and the teacher said to me, you'll never make a living looking out the window, mate. <laughs> and of course... And that's what you do. Here we are. <laughs> looking out windows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing along. It's been a lot of fun. We'll see you a bit later on in the news, yeah? It's always my pleasure, mate. You have a happy day. We'll catch up. You too. Keep your head above water. I feel good. This is Caroline Taylor-Knight and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy on the Big Rig Road Show. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are and if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Andy. How are you, mate? Doing all right, mate. Tell me, you're driving a truck or a submarine today? <laughs> I've got floaties on. Okay. I've just been out to one of the big coal-fired power stations. Are you allowed to say coal-fired power station, are you? Is that... yeah, probably not, but go for it. And I'll tell you what, the dam out there is absolutely chocker, mate. They're going mental trying to treat all this water from the runoff that's come down around the hills. It's just insane. More water in that than I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, mate, I've got to tell you, just this morning I was out walking the dog, saw a bloke down the street with a stocking over his head wearing a black hoodie and trying to kick his own front door in. Righto. And I asked him what he was up to. He said he's a burglar and due to COVID, he's working from home. <laughs> yeah, they don't get any better, do they? That's the funniest month for a while, though, mate. Oh, good. Thank you very much. All right, mate, we better get in. A leading engineer has said that the uptake of the performance-based standards, or the PBS scheme, by operators is being compromised by the mercenary approach of Vic Roads, who have now merged with the Department of Transport. Vic Roads being mercenary. Who knew? Hmm? They are treating the PBS scheme as a little money-making exercise. Now, we could have a long, long, long conversation about how the road managers have got billions of dollars worth of public infrastructure to manage, and they should be managing that to the betterment of the whole community, working out what size trucks can go on what roads and telling the transport companies you can use those roads. But no, no, in Victoria, we've got to do it the other way, right? Every man and his dog apply to use different PBS rated vehicles on different roads and then we'll charge every single one of them a fee to do the same thing. So they're charging anywhere between five dollars and $20,000 to assess a bridge. Yep. Up to $80,000 for a route and taking six months to do it. Now, I'd be willing to bet money that they've done all these assessments on all this infrastructure, how much weight it can go over. And believe me, there are formulas and if we get Adam from NTI on to explain all this, mate, I've had long conversations with Adam about it. Yeah. He can tell you exactly how all this has worked out, how to get the distances and all the rest of it to protect the infrastructure from damage to weight. And I would be willing to bet that all these assessments have been done, all the XY links and everything on the trucks, 
it's all known, all the design plans are all put in place and these blokes are just using it as a chance to put their hands in the pockets of the transport companies. It's just another revenue stream. They did the same thing with B-doubles. Victoria were the last to come on board with B-doubles. They made it damn near impossible. Yeah. They're doing the same thing with PBS. It is fundamentally wrong. It is. In New South Wales, they do it with a team of two or three engineers and computers. It only takes a few weeks to do it if they're going to take that approach. Mm. In Victoria, they've got a team of 40. <laughs> Can anyone not smell what I'm smelling? Nothing like a committee. Nothing like a committee, mate. Yeah. Let's move on, mate. All right, mate. Iveco Trucks has opened a new dealership in Brisbane built on a 22,000 square metre site in Wakehole, complete with a 20-bay workshop and two drive-through B-double service pits. Iveco have been doing this sort of stuff. They're a great brand. They've been around for a long time. This facility looks like it's going to be an exceptional facility. Mm. They're going to transition to this new facility to show that the brand's willingness and intent is to invest in the important Queensland commercial vehicle market out at Wakehole. It's in the right area out there. That's part of the main thoroughfare in and out of Brisbane for the southern states. Yeah. These things don't happen overnight. This has been in the works for a little while. Pleased to see that it's all going ahead and you know, there's going to be a bit of an undercover drop-off zone there. They've really had to think about how this is going to work. Congratulations to Aveco, and I'm looking forward to going and having a chat to him with the truck show, mate. Yeah, good stuff. Mate, 96 Trucks recently took part in Tasmania's biggest truck convoy, raising funds for the Royal Flying Doctor Service in Tasmania. Yeah, they did, mate. They travelled from Glebe to Longford. That's not Glebe in Sydney, either, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, good. From Glebe to the Longford Showground, 96 Trucks, as you say, the biggest truck convoy. They raised 16500 bucks for the Royal Flying Doctor Service in Tasmania. Once again, as we always do, transport, truckies, bikies, doing what they need to do to help the community. Robert Wise has been with the Tasmanian Owner Operators Association since 83. He's been the secretary, he's organised a truck run, and up until his retirement a couple of years ago, because he's 81, mm. he's been really right into it. And uh, he's back at the event this year. His daughter, Julie, is now the secretary treasurer, and they've got things happening there, some beautiful trucks at the truck show, and it's very impressive. I would have loved to have been there. 1,500 people came through the gates on the day to admire the trucks, and they've raised a nice little amount of money to help the RFPS. Great work, Tassie truckers. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, guys. The NHVR has opened up their draft-heavy vehicle safety strategy for input, mm. so now's the time to jump in and provide feedback, mate. Exactly right, and if people don't know by now, you have to put up or shut up. It's as simple as this. Mm. It's getting to the point now where it's so easy to put in a submission for any of these things. Yep. If you say something, it will at least be read, and you will have the satisfaction of knowing that you've done something to contribute to the betterment of the industry. Yep. Now, love or hate the NHVR, they are the regulatory body, and we have to live with that. Mm. And as I've said before about these regulatory things, if you don't go ahead and tell them what you think as a professional truck driver, then they will listen to the people that tell them, right? Yep. Sometimes those people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So as a professional truck driver, you get an opportunity to have an input. If you don't take it, then as I say, put up or shut up, put up with what you get. Yeah. No one's got ESP. Get on there, have a look at it, say what you've got to say. Yep. Get in and do it, guys. Yep. My work to provide more overtaking opportunities on the Newell Highway has moved forward with two lanes recently completed at Red Bank and Kubank. The Newell Highway's been a bone of contention for many years. I mean, it's as rough as guts in places. Everyone knows this. Mm. We're a small country and we've got a hell of a lot of road. 
And to be frank, they've spent a lot of money on the Coast Road and on the Goomba because they are the main freight corridors between the biggest populous areas of the country. Yeah. But the Newell does carry a hell of a lot of traffic and it carts a hell of a lot of the primary produce, the grain into the silos and the hay and the wool. So $59 million package for safety improvements really isn't a lot. It's going to be rolled out over seven projects, starting at Dusty's Creek and Red Bank, as you say. Mm work involves widening the shoulders and the centre lines and installing some audible markers down the side of the edges of the road and I would hope it would involve knocking out a few of the potholes as well. Yeah. $60 million towards some overtaking lanes which are sorely needed. You know, people get frustrated. Road trains are speed limited to 90 kilometres an hour along there mm. and uh, without the overtaking lanes it makes it a little bit hard. Got the trucks, normal trucks, B-doubles and singles that are speed limited at 100 as everyone knows. And the speed limit for cars is 110. Yeah. I think we're lucky, though, that it's all driving the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> Overtaking lanes are a good thing. Of course, now we've got to educate people that are holding trucks up to actually let them go past on an overtaking lane where it's safe. That's another can of worms, mate. Yeah. Good, mate. Well, that's all we've got all up. I, I just wanted to share with you, mate, I was... I was actually going to try and come down and visit you on your last day to shake your hand and wish you well. But I was a bit concerned. I got onto a plane going from Brisbane to Sydney. Mm-hmm. It was about to take off and I realised I was the only person on the plane. Right. So I asked the stewardess why and she said the flight had been booked out by a large group going to the psychic convention, but for some reason they'd cancelled out at the last minute. They'd all cancelled. Right. So I got off. Oh dear. That's one of the, I'll laugh because you said it, but I don't think that's funny. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate your support. Got to go. Catch up. Bye. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then. So, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers and take care of you. By the time you're all listening to this, I'll be on my last day working for Unidera Tanker High down at Port Kembla. Friday afternoon there, I'll be parking the big Kenworth 909 in the yard for the last time and taking my gear out of it. I'm going to miss that truck and going to miss working for JJ and Belinda. I want to publicly thank them for letting me do the things that I do. They helped me out with the water run, they supported me with that, they've helped me out in so many ways, given me time off to do things. When I was sick, they really did look after me and helped me get back on my feet and get through the hoops to get my license back again after I had the heart attack. Can't speak highly enough of them as people and the company as a company to work for. I really do think it's the best job I've ever seen, had or heard about. So I'm going to be heading over to the West, family reasons. Taking me a while to learn that family comes first, but head over the West for a couple of years and, and do a bit over there. And hopefully I'll get myself a job over there that's nearly as good. 
be heading over the paddock in the cat with the caravan and have a bit of a stir and take a few pictures and do a bit of commentary and look forward to the new chapter of our life you have a great day keep it safe out there on the road and we'll see you when we're looking at you be interesting to take a look at what the issues are that are faced by American truck drivers and to see if they differ much from the concerns that we have here. So according to the US trucking website trucks.com, here's the top 10 complaints. The top complaint by US truck drivers is the mandate requiring the use of electronic logging devices or ELDs which track how many hours they spend in the cab. The second biggest complaint is about having to adhere to a 14 hour clock with 11 hours of driving time. Noted one driver, the stress of the clock ticking is in my head every day. Third on the list comes drivers who want regulators to rescind the 30-minute mandatory rest break required within their first eight hours of driving. We should be able to take a break when we are tired, not because we're forced to, said one truck driver from Tennessee. Who can take a nap and be rested in 30 minutes? Now the next issue on the list is finding safe and secure truck parking when they shut down for the day. A Minnesota-based driver stated, If you're not parked by 10pm, there is no parking, as the rest areas and truck stops are all full. The fifth biggest complaint is about the time it takes for shippers and receivers to load and unload trucks. Sound familiar? Drivers say they use up remaining service hours unproductively, being forced to wait for extended periods at loading docks. One driver said, I only have so much time to drive, and if I'm held up at a shipper's dock for so long then there's no time to eat or shower before you have to start looking for somewhere to park because of the 14-hour clock. The next complaint is, again, a familiar story. Driver turnover continues to plague the American trucking industry, so to fill vacancies, new drivers are being churned out and rushed through a few weeks' basic training to obtain the appropriate license. A third-generation trucker from Alabama said, that's not enough time behind the wheel for those new drivers to safely navigate in traffic or on an interstate. At number 7 on the list is the frustration of motorists and other truckers failing to use turn signals. They say that surprise lane changes and turns by other vehicles make it hard for big rigs weighing 80,000 plus pounds. Aggressive drivers is next listed on the complaints hit parade here. A 17-year veteran of tanker driving from Virginia said that motorists often don't grasp how hard it is for truck drivers to slow and stop their rigs as vehicles weave through the traffic. At number 9 is the issue of money paid out in taxes, tolls and permits required to haul the nation's freight. And finally, in our top 10 of the biggest complaints American truck drivers have in their work is the speed limiting of trucks to around 65 miles per hour. That's the equivalent of 105 kilometres an hour. So it would seem that whilst there are certainly some differences in the way US truckers go about their work, and certainly there can be some big differences in the road and weather conditions they face, generally speaking, the concerns of our American trucking brothers and sisters really aren't all that different to the frustrations we experience here in Australia. To ease us out of our American special show this week, here's Waylon Jennings in a cruisy, laid-back mood with America. Some have said 
down through history if you last. It's a mystery, but I guess they don't know what they're talking about. From the mountains down to the sea, you become such a habit with me, America, America. Well, I come from down round Tennessee, but the people in California are nice to me, America. It don't matter where I may roam, tell you people that it's home, sweet home, America, America. brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to free of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. And my brothers, we're all black and white, yellow too. And the red man is right to expect I come from down round Tennessee, but the people 